0: Welcome to Mental Wealth, the podcast to invest in your mind. Here I will help you make sense of your mind and behaviours, giving you the tools to have your best life. There is so much to share. So let's get into this episode and explore another great topic. So welcome to episode 18. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the inner critic. We all have so many thoughts that are flying into our minds, and we don't always feel like we have control over them, and they can often be quite negative towards ourselves. And I'm delighted to say that I'm going to share this space and this
1: conversation with Katie Ford. So welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I've loved listening to previous episodes, and this is such an important topic.
0: Brilliant. So before we start, please introduce yourself, Katie.
1: Thank you. So I spent the last 12 years within the veterinary industry. I spent eight of those working in clinical practice and through my own experiences and quite openly and honestly, many of them through trying to navigate the inner critic and understanding that I ended up having quite a diverted career path, which I never saw coming, which led me down the route of training As a coach, I'm just doing a master's degree in emotional well-being at the moment, and I've started a number of businesses within the veterinary space, supporting professionals with figuring out what's important to them amongst other things as well. So this is something I'm really passionate about and I talk about on the ground all the time.
0: Brilliant. And it's so important for us to talk about it, isn't it? I mean, that's one of the motivations for me to create this podcast was, We need to talk about these things so that we can all be like, oh, okay, it's not just me.
1: So important, isn't it? Definitely. And that was what opened up my whole story, to be honest, Alison, was that I used to think it was just me. I had everything externally that I thought that I'd wanted, that I strived for. And inside, I was listening to the inner critic. I had all these thoughts, but I just saw the highlights reel of everybody else on social media and assumed they don't listen to this. And it was when I started sharing that within my industry on my own social media profiles and signposting people and kind of almost unmasking that inner critic to say, hey, we've all got one. It does have many similar stories for us and you are not alone. And I think how quickly that grew as a profile was testament to just how many of us listen to this.
0: Yeah, it's so important, isn't it? Okay, so let's just think a little bit about the mind because I think it's really important for us to get a little bit of a sense of, of how it works. Even though it's very complex, there are things that if we know, it'll help us. So one of the things I think is important to remember is we do have, they say on average, I don't know who sat and counted them, 60,000 thoughts a day. So you, we're, our minds are constantly busy. But what we also know is that about 90% of those are repetitive. And that's partly to do with your routines. So you might be doing a very similar thing, getting up, having your cup of tea, going for a wee, all these things that are going on, it might be connected to that. But we also know that there's a high chance that a big chunk of those are about yourself, because the human mind is super selfish. It does only know there's only me. And we are quite likely to be hard on ourselves and quite negative. So I think it's really important that we remember that people often say to me, oh, you know, I'm trying to not have as many thoughts and, you know, it's not necessarily a goal, is it, to have less thoughts? It's not possible. There are thousands of things. Everything we see will trigger some sort of a thought. Everything we hear, everything that we do. So it's important to say that we have a lot. But what we want to pay attention to is when it's an inner critic, as we're calling it in this episode, when it's not being kind to ourselves. And again, the human brain is very likely To go down that default button of be negative.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that I see quite frequently is when people understand the concept of the inner critic, it almost becomes something that we criticize ourselves about being critical of ourselves rather than what we're going to talk about. I know through this episode, is as being a little bit more curious, as understanding the mind a little bit more, bringing some more compassion. Because once you do raise your self awareness, and I'll share a metaphor that I use within a Lot of the businesses that I've got within the veterinary space and in a, a book that I have too. But at that moment, often we go, Oh my goodness, I'm doing nothing but listen to self-critical thoughts, which hopefully with that wonderful intro from Alison there, you've realized, oh, I'm not alone. And it's very common for our mind to have that negative bias. And I know we'll touch on it more as we go through, but at its root, our mind does want to keep us safe. The inner critic wants to keep us safe. It just has some really warped ways of doing that. And it doesn't feel that way in the moment. But hopefully, as we talk through this, it's really helpful for people listening. I think so. So we can get really stuck
0: in that negative thinking. And that can come from the past. It can come from things that you've made up about yourself. It can come from things that you've been told. It can come from patterns and habits of our families, of our parents, of teachers. Sometimes I hear people who become aware of their thoughts and they can almost hear that it's somebody else's voice. It's not even theirs. And I think, again, it's really important sometimes to separate that two that two different things. So the brain does defer to negative, as Katie said, to keep us safe so it's likely to be like what if the worst case scenario it's likely to do that and we kind of need it to do that but the bit that we want to home in on today is when it's when you're not being kind you're not being let you say curious about well why am I thinking this is it true what is it that we need to do so tell us a little bit more about your experience with that
1: Absolutely. I'd love to. And I love everything that you've just shared there as well. So as I was saying, one of the things that I'd found as I talked more about this concept within my own space and further outside of the veterinary space too, is the idea of kind of criticizing ourselves about criticizing ourselves. And as time went on and I spoke more about highly evidenced topics such as self-compassion, which there's a wonderful resource from Dr. Kristen Neff, one of the primary researchers that has put out tons of awesome content on that. You can find, we can probably pop a link in the show notes to to Mm -hmm. self-compassion too. There always seems to be a, a little missing link. So, I'll share the the metaphor that I've used, certainly. It may well help some people. It might not be for other people, and that is absolutely fine. And probably very briefly touching on the fact you'd said, sometimes we think of this as being someone else's voice. For some people, thoughts aren't always words or feel like a voice in our mind. Everybody's different. So we'd ask you, think about this in the way that you experience thoughts. Um, It's not another point for us to criticise ourselves about if you go, gosh, I don't listen to a voice yeah let's take that pressure off. so one of the things that i like to try and explain to people is when we first start raising our self-awareness which is us starting to notice more what our thoughts are how we're feeling checking in with ourselves it's almost as if we've been handed the keys to a business so we started to realize all of the inner workings of what's going on at any one time in this business now obviously it's been hours the whole time. We just didn't know we were in it. We were just going through life. Things were happening, we were reacting or even responding sometimes in certain ways. Now what I want you to imagine is there is one employee that works there and you can't make him redundant. He's there forever. He's been there right from the inception of this business. And he actually was head of security at the beginning but all he can go on is the past. So he can go on just like Alison was saying, things that maybe he's learned as we've been brought up, perhaps things that he's seen other people do, things that have happened in the past that he's made some strange conclusion about that makes perfect sense to him from a safety point of view. So let's call him Jim. In fact, we'll call him Jim he Critic because um lines up well with him being the inner critic. One of the biggest frustrations I see is people want to get rid of it when they understand that it exists. Like, I just need this to be gone. It needs to shut up now. And I totally hear you if that is you because that was me when I first discovered it, right? I just need to stop ever having negative thoughts about myself. I'll tell you what, that's like playing whack-a-mole because mm-hmm. they're always going to come up. So imagine we've got Jim. too many critic, hired a security. He's been there from the start and he can only go off what he's learned previously. He's got his whole set... Incident logs, things that have happened in the past, things that people have said. Now, he wants to keep us safe. He wants us to fit in as well, because that's safety based, too. Even going back to ancestrally, we wanted to be at a point where we had resources. So often as humans, we say, oh, I just compare all the time. Taking a little judgment off ourselves to maybe get curious as to why we might notice ourselves do that. But again, take the judgment off that it's very normal sometimes for us to have a quick look at what everybody else is doing. So he wants us to fit in, he wants us to match up, and he wants us to stay safe. Now, if he spots something dangerous based on the past, he has a big button that is a large press. And that is essentially the equivalent of our sympathetic nervous system, our fight or flight response. And I know we'll touch more on this in a minute. But he says, right, danger. We start to feel it. Maybe our heart rate's going up. We can start feeling apprehensive or we can feel on high alert. And at that point, he's shouting really loud to us. Now, he might say, Oh, there's been a bang. Well, that must be, this must have happened because this has happened previously. Or he hears some running water. He says, Well, there was a flood in the 1970s. Therefore, this must be the same thing. So in those moments, we can't really hear ourselves think. And I know that many people that have listened to other episodes on this podcast, maybe dived into this before, will know that when our sympathetic nervous system, our fight or flight response, has been activated, in that moment, our body just wants us to get away from the danger or to fight it. There is no space for rationality at that moment because, first of all, our blood flow has been redirected to our muscles to get us ready to go. But secondly, In the interest of survival, it would make perfect sense that our brain does not want us to make a pros and cons list about whether we should run away from the saber tooth tiger or not. It would like us to run. Now, we still have a similarly functioning brain in the world of emails as they had however many years back. So understanding that in that moment actually helps us to realize that us focusing on how we could turn that alarm down so we can actually hear ourselves think, and bring on some rationality, means that when Jim is shouting super, super loud, we don't start trying to have a conversation with him or we don't start trying to beat ourselves up going, oh my gosh, you always criticize yourself so much. And we'll come on to that just shortly. But just remember, he says, just commenting all day long, like Alison, you said 60,000 thoughts per day. Imagine that employee, I'm sure we all remember one from somewhere that we've worked, that whenever someone's having fun pipes up and says, Yeah, but what if this happens? Oh, don't have too much fun. This is going on. So the important thing for us to remember in this metaphor is Jim, we can't get rid of him. He doesn't like change because change brings risk. Change brings danger. Change brings the potential for us not to fit in or not to be included. So there are two things that people tend to do to deal with him. And the first one is the one that we'd say, Let's not do this one, but it's perfectly normal that people try it at various points, just like I've said, because when I first understand this concept of the inner critic, I thought, please don't ever speak to me again. I'm just going to know positive vibes only. So Hmm. imagine in our analogy is that Jim is trying to tell you that something is dangerous. Something is scary. You're going to do something wrong. When you raise your self-awareness at first, you go, well, it's not me, so I'm not going to listen to it. And you shut him in a room and you say, Jim, I am not talking to you, but he is so sure this is dangerous. And even though it's a really strange and warped way for him to try and tell you it's dangerous, he is shouting anything that he can do. He is going to eventually start causing physical damage to the walls of that room Mm -hmm. that you blocked him in. And eventually he'll burst out and say, oh my gosh, won't you just listen to me? I really have to shout loud for you to hear me and to understand me. So as an employee, and bearing in mind he's going to be with us for the rest of our life, let's consider how useful that feels. Because to me, it really doesn't feel like it's going to be a long and useful relationship. But the second option is for us to be what I'd call the the compassionate boss, which is for us to understand that actually, first of all, we can look at turning the volume down on the alarm. Remembering the alarm is our fight or flight response is our oh my goodness, something scary is happening here and we need you to get away from that. And his realms of what's scary and what's not is based on the past, things mm-hmm. that have been told to us. So this would probably be a really good point, Alison, for us to touch on some of those things that we can do when we are experiencing um, a fight or flight response or we're feeling like a heightened sense of awareness because we're listening to these inner critic type stories. Um, I know that you'll have loads of things to share here as well, Alison, and I'll add in a couple too. I think one of the things that I think springs to my mind when you were talking,
0: Katie, is we've absolutely established and it's so important for us to remember that it's normal for us to have these responses. The human brain, the emotional response gets involved five times quicker than any logic. That's our first thing. So when we know that, it's like, okay, I need to settle that bit first. And I always think if you've had a lot of self-talk, a lot of inner critic And a lot of fear in your life. I always think of it like an alarm system in your house. We need it for the intruders, but sometimes our alarm systems become very, very sensitive and they're going off for all sorts of things. When the postman pops something through the door or the wind blows the blinds and the alarm system's going off. If you know that that's what it feels like to you, then some of these techniques that I share across all these podcasts help us be able to manage that because that is ultimately all we're trying to do we can't stop the thoughts can we as we said if we're using Jim as your metaphor you can't he's not going anywhere but what we can do is manage Jim or manage that inner critic and I think that's what's so important for us to remember here.
1: Definitely. And I love the point that you made about the fact that so many of these responses for that to be activated, our sympathetic nervous system is before we can even think about it. From coming from a medical background as a veterinary surgeon for years, we know it's part of our autonomic nervous system. And part of that is also things like controlling our digestive system. When was the last time any of you thought, gosh, I need to speed up my intestinal motility? It's not been going fast enough. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I need to increase the blood flow to my liver. Like these are things that happen without us having conscious thought to them. So this is just a note if we do suddenly feel that come up to take the judgment off ourselves because it's not something we chose to do or that we could have stepped in and said, I didn't want this to appear. It's more like you've said, Alison, okay, what helps me? What can I do in this moment? Because if we come back to the gym analogy, that's almost like him saying, there's tons of danger. I'm just going to press this button at every single opportunity. So first thing is, How can we try and onboard some more parasympathetic input, which might be things like um, coming back to the the present moment with mindfulness type activities, some people like breath work. Everybody out there is going to have the opportunity to explore the things that help them as individuals. And I, I know you'll likely have lots of resources in the podcast to add to that as well, Alison.
0: Definitely. For me, it's about capturing those thoughts, isn't it?
1: Without judgment.
0: Mm -hmm. And however you do that, if it is bringing your attention into the now, looking at things that are around you, listening to a piece of music, anything that's going to just give you that moment to just pause. And then we want to think about what is it that we are thinking? Is it helpful? Is it not helpful? Is it part of the plan? Is it something that's so old, it's out of date now? And one of the things that I think is really useful is to be able to observe almost that thought and just
1: think, oh, there's that thought again, rather than let it take over. Yeah, that's it. Just like you say, curiosity of criticism. And with the gym analogy is when we've turned that alarm system down a little bit and we feel able to create that space and just get curious. Imagine it's the equivalent of inviting Jim into the office and saying, what was that all about? Okay. Noting it down. That's interesting. Thanks for sharing that. We don't end up down a rabbit hole. It's the equivalent of him saying, let me play you all these movies about what happened previously. No, no, we don't need those. I just, okay, what are you telling me? You tell me that I have to keep everyone happy. Okay. That's really interesting. Thank you for that. We might feel comfortable enough to be able to say, where did this come from? Or who told you that? Because Mm. the way that this analogy came to me, actually, was because when I would started a job years and years ago, it was a practice, it was a veterinary practice, actually, that had been owned by a lovely family. They just got a very set way of doing things. And they'd got a set of protocols, laminated and attached to every machine in the building. They kept the manager. He'd been there the whole time while that family were there. And a new boss had come along. And this new boss had a new way of doing things and wanted to make changes Now, the old manager was very set in his ways of, these are familiar to me, this is safe, and this is what we do. Both of them wanted good things for the business, but they didn't communicate particularly very well in the middle. So Mm. it became a frustration from both sides. And I'd sit in the office and I kind of observed this, where I knew the manager really cared about the new boss and wanted to make sure that she wasn't doing anything that might jeopardize her or the business but the new manager was like, why is he so stuck in his ways? And actually what they probably needed to do is just sit and have an open conversation. So that's kind of what creating this curiosity for me and the analogy that I use is, okay, Jim, what's what's happening? What's got? Who told you that? Because often it's from the equivalent of an old boss, an old caregiver, something someone said to us at some point. And sometimes we need help from someone. Like yourself, Alison, to sit down and just say, okay, I'm almost bringing a mediator in here to speak between Jim and me. This is what comes up for me all the time. This is what he says. And yeah. he's going to have lots of um, shoulds. You know, you should do this by this point. This is what you should be doing in your career. This is what you should value. Or this is what you should value. He's going to pipe up at certain times. You might find certain things make him shout louder for you as individuals i know for me if i drink a lot of caffeine the inner critic for me is like he's got a loud healer at this point somebody mm-hmm. has made jim extra loud um certain responses to certain hormones mm-hmm. i know is something that affects a, a lot of people at different life stages Yep. and actually us just in that downtime when maybe jim isn't shouting as loud or the inner critic we're calling him jim and the analogy that i'm using here but getting to know us? Like, what do we want? What's important to us? So in those moments where you're shouting and telling you all the things that you should be doing to try and get you to fit in, you can sit back and say, I hear you, Jim. We're going to have a better conversation about this. I understand that's what you'd like us to do. Thank you. I'm not shutting you in a room and shutting you out of the conversation, but this is what we're doing. This is what's going to stay the same, just as we would do. This might sound familiar to people that have been part of businesses and have maybe managed teams about." general change management as well Mm. of just getting curious what what are the worries here what are the concerns okay thank you for sharing those remember all these times where things did go well and just creating this into a separate character I know a lot of people talk about naming the inner critic as being valuable but realistically rather than us pushing it away it's about us just having more useful conversations. And sometimes quite rightly, like you said, Alison, we might say that's absolute and utter rubbish. Thank you for telling me that, but I don't need that today. Yeah, And other exactly. times, yeah, we just get curious because it might be something that we've heard a few times before. Like you mm-hmm. said, oh, here's that boss again. This is something that comes up a lot. Where could this have come from? Yeah. Who told I th- me this? I think working
0: out sometimes why we think like we do is where the the worth is you know, the thoughts will come. But if we can, don't have to dig massively deep sometimes, but just being able to wonder why you do think that thought of I'm not good enough, what is it that's driving that? And that obviously is a much bigger conversation than this. But I think it's just keeping us in mind of we don't have to believe, you know, as Katie said, we don't have to believe everything that we think. We can challenge it. We can say thanks very much. But I don't think that's true, or is that true, or where does that come from? Or sometimes just no, yeah, no, no. I think, you know, just saying to yourself, no, 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 I am not thinking that, I am not going there, is a strategy in itself.
1: Yeah, just not today, stop sign comes up, yeah, not, not going into this one, we've covered this ground before. Yeah. And I understand why, you know, I used to absolutely hate the inner critic. I used to hate it when it pops up. And I think actually sometimes when we forgive ourselves for hating it, it makes total sense that we would because we've listened to it as an equivalent of someone saying horrible things all the time. But actually to understand they're not the message, they're just the messenger. It's just repeating things from previously at some point. And when we start to understand that, we can start to, like you said, bring a little bit more curiosity and sometimes just to say not today. Yeah, I I, I hear you. But we don't need to, because like you said already, Alison, 60,000 thoughts a day. If we were to sit and have a a conversation with the inner critic about every single one of, let's say, three quarters of those are inner critic thoughts, or half of them, these are not exact figures, we'd never get anything done. (laughs) We'd be there all
0: day. Exactly. And that's the thing with the mind, there is a lot of repetition. And for me, actually consciously thinking about having thoughts that are useful, healthy, you know, not so that we're not stuck in these deferred negative thoughts. Let's pause. Let's think about something that brings you joy. Let's think about things that make you feel happy, make you go out into the garden and have a look at something to think about. Because whatever we're looking at or hearing or seeing, it we will create a load of thoughts. Go out and make something like that happen. Yes. So that you have a nice thought about a flower in the garden or the sky or whatever you want so that you
1: can start to challenge that constant ticker tape. Yeah. There's a wonderful phrase that I love, which is be a creator, not a waiter. Nice. So often we can sit and just wait for something good to appear. We're like, come on, something's going to happen at some point, or I'm, I'm going to have this feeling about thinking about this and it's going to come and actually let's step to the other end of that and be the creator in that, Because when we step into that role of, like we said, with the analogy that I'd use, be the compassionate boss. Okay, I, I hear you, Jim, I understand what your role is in this, but I'm taking the reins of my business back. I've decided what's important to us, how am I treating the team, how am I looking after myself, and inadvertently with that, everybody else in that team. What's important to us? What do we love doing? I almost think of it in this way of like employee engagement in a way too. If you've got Jim and every other member of the business that have suddenly been opened up to you, what what am I doing with them? Am I going to work them 20 hours a day and then suddenly wonder why none of them want to do the work that they do? Or like you said, Alison, am I going to head out into the garden and say, you know what, this is five, 10 minutes or however long that we need to create something, to check in with ourselves. And often, I don't know if you find similar, but with this concept, when I speak to a lot of people with regard to things like what brings you joy, it kind of ends up being quite polarised in terms of, well, I need to just go away for the weekend. But maybe this is a challenge to find something in five minutes that brings you joy. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Because, again, we don't need it
0: to be something that's time-consuming, expensive. You know, for me, the mind is... Mind literally is it's like a torch, you know, whatever you are looking at or whatever you point it at, it will bring you a thought. It's an association making machine. So when you look at something, you'll see when you hear something, you'll see something. And it's so important to remember that you actually have so much more control with your thoughts than you think.
1: You do. And with the analogy that I use around gym, you know, he thinks that he's in charge of that business because nobody's had the awareness to have those conversations or nobody's ever said, you know, you're not your thoughts, you're the person underneath listening. And when you start to step back into that role of, okay, I hear you. And yes, we've talked about the alarm system in that moment. Let's look at the things that help just bring back on board a little bit more parasympathetic stimulation and calm things down. But after that, where are you shining that torch? Because Jim's got his torch out and he's always going to be looking for the dangerous things because that's his job. Yeah. So we can take the reins back and say, you know what, what little thing brings me joy? I remember once we have a huge fish tank in our living room. My other half is obsessed with fish. (laughs) He loves them. And, you know, I walked past it every day for years and didn't even think about it. And one day when I was looking for just five minutes of, okay, I'm going to create some joy here. I sat and I went, I've got an aquarium in my living room <laughs> people pay to go to the aquarium wherever and they just they're here and it's huge i mean obviously i'm a veterinary surgeon so welfare is on point and that side of things but i look and i go this is such a resource in itself how calming to sit here and to watch them and there will be little things for everyone that we walk past and they become so normal because we've not shone that light on those things. Yeah.
0: And I think that's it, isn't it? You know, trying to deal with negative, especially repetitive negative thoughts about ourselves. People get very overwhelmed with, I can't do it because I've always thought like this about myself. I've always felt this way, but actually what we're saying right through this chat is, It's that pausing, isn't it? It's that finding something just to change that track. It's like turning the track into something else. And then consciously, when you've got rid of that emotional response, think about what is it that you're thinking? Do you believe it? Is it even true? Who might it be? And some of the other strategies that you've shared.
1: definitely. Like we said, I think that's a huge piece because when there is information out there with regard to touching on some of these topics, Often the moment when people try and do that is that moment when the equivalent of the alarm's going off. And they can't do it at that point. None of us can, because when you're feeling in that heightened sense of awareness, we do have what we call cognitive distortions. We do have, like you've said, our thoughts might align with how we're feeling in that moment. And the one is associated on top of the other, because we're scared, we're feeling fear, because whatever responses come up at that moment, our mind is just firing more thoughts about why to be fearful. So that's why it's useful for us to look at, okay, how can I do the things that help me? And then maybe have those come into the office, Jim, let's have a chat about this afterwards, but not in that moment. Because yeah, yeah I find that frequently things like, for example, within the industry that I've spent a lot of time in, mistakes are a hot topic we know that in a safety conscious industry mistakes are something that seem even more scary because it can mean life or death yeah at the same time we've got messages that come along and say we shouldn't make or we should grow from our mistakes we should learn from our mistakes and often that moment when we've made a mistake it feels uncomfortable and what we need is some compassion and some kindness and to treat ourselves as a human maybe speak to a friend do the things that help us Again, we might be bringing on some of those things that just bring some calm back and then having the conversation when it feels right about, okay, so what are we going to learn from this? How do we grow? Because often that pressure comes to, right, we need to learn something from this because this is what we've been told. And that first moment isn't always the moment for us to learn because it feels uncomfortable. So I think this is a huge piece for us to cover in general is. Actually having that that pause, checking in with what we need, looking after us and our nervous system as well, and then looking and reflecting when and whatever timing that is. For some people, that might be 15 minutes later. For some people, that might be the next day. For some people, it might be two hours. And there's not a set time on that either, is there? No, but I think it's
0: important, isn't it, to say that managing your inner critic can only be done over time. It's not something you suddenly just wake up and say, "Right, I'm going to stop thinking like that about myself." As trained yeah. as my mind is, I still have thoughts that are linked to my childhood, to uh, things that have been that I used to believe to be true. And I think that's the other thing to remember, isn't it? That some of these thoughts are still lurking for the just in case. I guess it's the gym, isn't it? It's the just in case we might need to pay attention. Somebody might have told you that you know, don't be too show offy or something as a child and that that thought of I can't possibly be that it's so complicated sometimes what and where our thoughts come from
1: oh absolutely and like we said we've also got to live our lives too if we wanted to dig into every single um like initiation of a thought at which point wherever they anchor down to we'd never do anything else as well so maybe like you've said. As we do new things, that's potentially going to bring up beliefs that we didn't even know that we had seated there. But just like we would do if we're working with an employee or a team member, we don't expect that suddenly overnight we flick a light switch and that relationship has completely changed. And when we sit and think about that with the inner critic, I'm very similar to you, Alison. I've spent, I've done a lot of work. I've started to work a lot on Who I am and what I choose, but at the same time, it still pops up on a daily basis about various things. And sometimes that might shout louder than others, but it's just like you said, curiosity, compassion. Am I ever going to get to the point where I'm like, yay, it's the inner critic piping up. This is wonderful. Probably not. Because again, Jim for me has a job to do. He's got to try and keep me safe and I do want him to pop up. When the time is right, if he could go back to his security job, please still do tell me if there's danger. But like you've said, those things that actually are are hurtful, whether that's a conversation we feel able to have ourselves or whether we want to have someone else on board to help us with that, that can be really valuable in itself.
0: Definitely, but it definitely, definitely takes time. And patience, I think, as well, needs to be added in there if we are going to think about our. inner critic and the thoughts that we have about ourselves.
1: Definitely. And also, I think with time, we all start to get aware about the times when that inner critic might shout louder. And that helps us just to bring a little bit more compassion to ourselves as well. We might know as we're maybe stepping into a new job role, a gym or the inner critic will have lots of societal stereotypes that they'll cross-reference to as well that, again, have been created over time as we've been growing up, as we've gone through university for some people through the schooling system might say oh well the people that should be in your role should look like this this and this and actually again stepping back and curiously being able to say who told you that where has this come from and then maybe even feeling empowered enough to shine a light on some of the people like you that are doing the things that you want to do is part of almost that re-education of saying i hear you and that you think that i don't know c-suite executives should look like this this and this but we're going to watch this YouTube video about this really inspiring, kick-ass person that has come from a a totally different background. And that can be really empowering in itself for us to start to rewrite some of those things too and just re-educate. But yeah, let's know when that might pop up um, and meet ourselves with compassion and understand understand why if it does as well.
0: And I think just to add, um, when we are able to notice the opposite. So if you we've all got that inner critic, we're all likely to be saying I can't or I'm not good enough or or any of the thoughts that we can potentially have. I think something else is so important as a a strategy, really, is that when you have been kind to yourself, when you have actually given yourself a break, make sure you pause to celebrate that too. Yes, I love that 100%. Because uh, the the way that we change our inner critic over time is not just to, as we've said, fight it and get cross with it, is to pause, is to think about maybe where it comes from or challenge it, say, no, not today, I'm not going down that route. But then the opposite to that is all the work. It's the, the being kind to yourself. It's treating yourself like you would treat your friend. If we we spoke to our friends, like we speak to ourselves often, we probably wouldn't have any friends. So, yeah, all this is is to be celebrated if you are able to make that shift to actually think something good about yourself, do something that's positive towards yourself. And it's not just positive thinking, but it is partly pausing and going, do you know what? I did good there. I actually thought... Of a good thing about myself and pause to notice because I call that the mind gym. It's like you're strengthening yourself all the time. And yeah. I think that's so important, isn't it?
1: Oh, definitely. And almost because so often in life we we go through it on autopilot almost to an extent, because when we are cognitively thinking with those logical rational aware parts of our mind it it does take energy so I'm sure we've all been there sometimes where you've got in the car and you've started driving and suddenly you wake up and you're at your destination and you haven't really thought about it and we've kind of almost gone into that that automatic state of mind and a nice thing to do sometimes if it feels right is creating a bit of time to reflect at the end of the day like what did I do for me today Because some of those things we haven't consciously acknowledged and that's just further evidence, isn't it? For us to say, okay, yeah, I did that for me and that was something that I did that is evidence that I'm looking after me, even if I didn't shine a light on that at the time when I did it.
0: Yeah. I'm a big fan of people pausing. One of the products that I've got is a journal, a three month journal, and it forces you because you're filling in the questions to think about setting your intentions for the day. So again, Helping the inner critic, how would you like it to go? How would you like to be? It's not your to-do list. And at the end of each day, you pause and you think about what your wins were or what went well. And again, it's 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 written with the brain in mind so that you actually do help yourself if you have got a, an inner critic. So that's definitely a product that's available if um people feel like it, they would could do with some direction in terms of managing this, this kind of topic that we're talking about today.
1: Oh, I love that. I'm a huge fan of journaling and spending that bit of time just to look back over the day, celebrate the wins. One of the things that I love to do is to challenge myself, and I do this with a lot of my clients too. To find the smallest possible win that you would never have chosen to celebrate previously, because again, in our mind, we've got a set of things that are worth celebrating. And to be honest, I know for me, for a long time, it was probably birthdays, holidays. And I don't know, Christmas or weddings or something like that. But actually, we always laugh that at one of the companies that I run, we celebrate. I emptied the dishwasher, everybody. I did want to do it and I emptied it and it was brilliant. <laughs> and just finding those little things to shine a light on, isn't it? That Absolutely. actually we might not have noticed before. Because from a brain perspective,
0: it doesn't know the difference between an amazing massive achievement and you're just doing something it will go along with it you know this is the this is our challenge isn't it There's the mind does believe everything that we are focused on so if you are pleased with yourself because you've emptied a dishwasher your mind will be like okay great it doesn't well, have to be a great big degree that you've just passed or a great big piece of work and i think this is where we miss tricks with the mind so often, because we're so focused on all the big stuff. And actually, you know, you'll hear me say in these podcasts, you know, what's the one small thing that you can take and what's the one small thing you can take action on? And I think that in itself, it doesn't have to be something massive. If in this episode there's just been one part of what we've shared, take that and have a go at running with that.
1: I love that. Yeah. Small things make big changes as They're much really as good. quite often we persuade ourselves that they don't. And Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, and I know you've certainly done this as well, but there is so much science behind what we're talking about here that backs up how true this is. And similar to what you were saying about our mind doesn't know the difference between something that we've imagined and something that's happened. Often if, for example, we've got the inner critic is playing a big movie about what might happen, we can kind of feel similar to as if, It did, so it feels very real and like it might actually happen and it might be true. But that can be where having these conversations and creating a pause can be really valuable. Because I'll tell you, the way that I used to have a conversation with my inner critic without really realizing there was an inner critic or that any of these things existed would be a thought would pop up saying, well, what if this goes wrong? And rather than me saying, which is what I do now thank you for telling me that. Thank you for making me aware of that. I understand why you might think that's a risk or why I might have done something wrong, but I did the best that I could with what I had in this moment, etc. At that point, I would have said, oh gosh, what if that does go wrong? No, you're right. And i would say, and then this will happen. And then I'd say, oh, that'd be awful, wouldn't it? And then this might happen. And before you knew it, you felt the feeling as if I was being hauled up in front of the Royal College about to be struck off because I'd watched this whole movie about it. And sometimes it's just almost like yelling cuts in a movie to step back and almost do the matrix like 360 around it. What actually is, hang on one second,
0: Mm.
1: waking up and then saying, how do I want this to play out? I hear you. Um, Maybe we might check in with ourselves and say, you know what, actually, this is a moment where I do need to pause and breathe and come back to this moment. Or perhaps this is a point where I say, yeah, no, not today that's not happening. Thank you for telling me that could happen. You always tell me that could happen. Yeah, Might investigate that further. But like you said, using and understanding that our minds are fascinating things. And when you understand how they work, it kind of makes sense how they work. And then we can harness that.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I think for me, a lot of my realizations were because I started to understand that it wasn't just me, it was part of the patterns, part of the way that we're wired, we're all unique, but we've all still got these patterns. And I think it's, that's why I share these. That's why we have these conversations in this podcast, because I want to help people see that for themselves. So important. Definitely. Thank you so much for coming and creating this episode with me today. It's uh, such an interesting topic and one hopefully that everyone can relate to and everyone can take pause and think about how are they going to manage that? that inner chit-chat that goes on. Who, who, who gave us permission for that chit-chat to just flick on whenever it
1: fancied? Oh, and thank you so much for having me. And I know there'll be lots of fantastic episodes to come as well, but it's been such a cool conversation. And hopefully if people realize that's what they listen to, they feel a little less alone with it and realize there are things that we can do and obviously support out there if people need that as well
0: definitely thank you
1: brilliant thank you so much so in next week's episode
0: we are going to talk about success and different types of success what success might mean for you and my guest next time is Emma Hine so I'm really looking forward to sharing that episode with you but for now thank you Katie for
1: today thank you for having me
0: thank you for listening and sharing in this episode of Mental Wealth Remember, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. My last question to you is what is the one small thing that you can take action on from this episode? Message me on Instagram or through our website with questions you'd like me to explore. You'll find the links in the show notes. I'll be back with more tools and tips to make sense of your mind in the next episode. In the meantime, be kind to yourself. Bye for now. We'll